Thessalonians follows on the heels of 1 Thessalonians, obviously. The Christians in Thessalonica were really grateful to God for Paul's letters. But immediately, it didn't solve all their problems. And one of their problems was persecution because they brought up the Gospel. And you can imagine a pagan society would believe some of the same things that we've been talking about the last several weeks on some of these uh, little video snippets and such. And we see the way that they think and the way that they do. And so because they were Christians and they thought differently, they were being persecuted. And that's nothing new at all for Christians down through church history. Uh, But they actually began to think that they were in the tribulation. I'm talking about the great tribulation that we all think of as being in the future. Uh, A letter had arrived in Thessalonica and it appeared to be from Paul. People thought it was from, from Paul. It said it was from Paul. And it stated that the day of the Lord had come. They were in the day of the Lord. Well, they're thinking, huh, I believe it. Look at the persecution. Look at all the things that are happening in the world. Right? This must be it. So they they were believing that. It, it just left a lot of people confused. They were they were frightened. Uh, many quit their jobs. Remember that they quit their jobs and went up on the rooftop and waited for Jesus to come back. Sold all their goods that they had. Why they sold it? I, I don't really know why. Because what are they going to do with the money? You know. Um, Paul wrote the second letter to the Thessalonians and he began with their most pressing need. Most pressing need is that they need encouragement because of the persecution that they are encountering. And we mentioned that in the first letter. Well, it really heightened since then. It already started when Paul was there. Paul had to leave quickly. They were persecuting him. It happened to the church early on. And remember, they grew real quick, didn't they? Very quick. Uh, they are a healthy church. But boy, the, the struggle that they have. So they have a need. And Paul is going to do that in, in, uh, right in the very first chapter right off the bat. They had been dis, uh, discouraged. And that's what we see in chapter 1. And this is an outline of these three chapters in Second Thessalonians. They were deceived... So, first of all, they're discouraged in chapter 1. Chapter 2, they are deceived by false teaching, false teachers coming in or giving them letters and such, as saying the Lord's return has already happened. So, you have people who are discouraged. He's going to take care of that. You have people that are deceived. He's going to take care of that. And in number 3, you have people that are disobedient. That's what we see in the third chapter. Um, And so, you know, as they quit their jobs, they did nothing as we see in, in chapter 3. So, Paul addresses these three issues, one chapter, two chapter, three chapters, and he addressed them by comforting them in chapter 1. He gives them comfort. Great encouragement. And in chapter 2, we see his correction. And then in chapter 3, then we see that he confronts the disobedient. So that's how he deals with this. Uh, the main theme in Second Thessalonians, the, the dominant theme, you'd never guess. Eschatology. Which is dealing with the end times. And th- that's the main issue. The people misunderstood the day of the Lord. Uh, just like I think we have a misunderstanding of the day of the Lord and the end times and great tribulation and such today. Uh, by much of the Christian community. Paul wanted to maintain a healthy church in Thessalonica. They were healthy. 
Uh, he wants a proper response that there would be sound eschatology here and obedience to the truth. Uh, he, and he, here's dealing with uh, um, eschatology. We're talking about eternal rewards. That's eschatology, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're talking about the rewards that are given to us that are the ultimate rewards when Christ comes back. We're talking about retribution, which is judgment, that He's going to deal out to the ones who are unbelievers. And He deals with those issues in chapter 1. So we see the second coming right in the first chapter after He introduces it and gives them great comfort. Um, We definitely see in chapter 2 matters of the day of the Lord. Um, You have the restrainer also. You also have the lawless one, which is the Antichrist. So he, he brings forth in three chapters much clarity to what the day of the Lord is, second coming, uh, some of those issues. He already touched on that, and not only touched, I mean dealt with it, I think, tremendously in, in the First Thessalonians, especially in chapter 4, chapter 5. But all throughout there, he talks about the, the Christ coming back. And he's going to make it clear that Christ has not come back yet. The day of the Lord is not here. Um, but uh, he wants to encourage him. So as we get ready to go into the text, why don't we uh, why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for who you are. It's all about your greatness. It's all about who you are. Thank you for the promises that we have. Thank you for the encouragement that we have from your word, your truth. Uh, may it make an impact in our lives and uh, that would uh, change us, change us every time that we get into your word of God, individually and corporately that we would uh, be desiring to follow You even closer. And as the Thessalonians need encouragement, we look at tonight, we see that we need encouragement because we are going up against a culture that uh, rubs uh, against the grain of the truth of Yours, always has. And so help us, Lord, in being able to defend Your faith, to represent Jesus Christ, and to be able to grow in You. In Your Son's name, Amen. Amen. Well, chapter 1, I'm not going to go into introduction because if you were here in 1 Thessalonians any at all, you will remember that uh, that's really a good introduction to this particular book. This is a main uh, city, a couple hundred thousand. It's in a great area because um, people are uh, passing through there. You have a great road system. You're also right there at uh, close to the, the sea, right at, at that point. Uh, so you have all sorts of travel and business, uh, military, all sorts of things going on in this place. So, Paul starts off. Paul starts off with his greetings, and he's going to encourage them uh, about the praise to God and such. He starts off with the greetings. It doesn't look too unusual. It starts off with Paul, Silas. Remember, Paul first was with Barnabas on the missionary journeys. Later on, replaced by uh, Silas here. He and Silas were um, actually in a place at one time where they were arrested, put in stocks, and uh, they were in jail. And at midnight, they wound up praising God and singing, right? In the prison. That was Paul and Silas together. Uh, Also, you have here uh, a little-known guy by the name of Timothy. (laughs) That's the same Timothy that you hear of so often, actually, in... Paul's epistles, and he traveled with Paul quite a bit, and Paul could depend upon him. So they're together. This is 
what they're writing here is representing Christ, it's representing who they are and what gospel they're giving. It's to the church of the Thessalonians. Brings it right out. Here's the truth. This is specifically to them, but it also is going to circulate and go to other letters or uh, to other churches as letters are called circular letters, and so other churches are blessed by it too. In God our Father, and don't you like that? God our Father. Not God the Father, but God our Father. I think they needed to know that. They needed to know they had a Father who really, really cared. You know? And He's our Father, too. He's our Father. We need that Father all the time. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the Master. Jesus Christ. Jesus, Savior. Christ, the Messiah. The Anointed One. The King. Um, so He's... And, you have to like this. Grace to you. I like to finish my letters with that. Grace to you. Um, our name of our church is Grace Community Church. We focus on grace. We don't want to be legalistic, but we want to follow God's Word. At the same time, we want to be filled with God's grace so that we can live in grace, stand in grace, and offer grace to people, Right? Grace to you and peace. And the only peace that there is, people want peace. World peace. Pray for peace. Um, The peace that we're talking about is peace with God. And so, grace to you and peace from God the Father. This time it's God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father is mentioned twice here. Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned twice in two verses. I think that is really the theme of this whole epistle, really, when it comes down to it. It's all about Jesus Christ, isn't it? It's all about God the Father. And that's what we want to focus on always. So we've gone past the greetings already within a space of a few minutes. And we move on to uh, part B of number one there. It's dealing with giving thanks. And we just had a service Sunday dealing with giving thanks, but we always give thanks. Thanksgiving last Thursday. And we continue on with the thought of giving thanks because that is the greatest way to give praise to God. Romans 1, the atheist, so-called atheist, would not give thanks to God, right? Um, Christians give thanks. Paul says we ought always to give thanks to God for everything, but for you, to the Thessalonians. Always giving thanks to God for the Thessalonians. I like that. After greeting his friends here, Paul launches into a statement of praise to God, thanking God for what had been accomplished in their lives. And this is not too far off. This was written very early and probably shortly after that first letter to the Thessalonians. And he follows up. It only makes sense, right? Because he he had had it delivered as he wrote it. It was delivered to them. Came back that they were still confused. And so he writes another one right on the heels of that. And they get it. But Paul says, look what God has done to you guys. He's accomplished so much in you. And so you go back to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Sounds so close to where we have been. Verse 2. He only spent one verse there on God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you. 
making mention of you in our prayers. You give thanks to God you know, in, in your prayers. Constantly bearing in mind, look at this, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. What do you have there? Faith, hope, love. In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of God our Father, our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. And then, you know, of course, the power of the Holy Spirit, full conviction of the Word of God. They became imitators of the Lord in verse 6, having received it in much tribulation, and that tribulation is going to mount tremendously, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to who? All the believers. Everybody was amazed at them in Macedonia and in Achaia. The Word of the Lord sounded forth in all that area. That's a lot to be thankful for in a short amount of time. We're talking probably weeks to months here. A brand new church, brand new Christians, and it got around, it's trumpeted forth. That's the word uh, sounded forth. Trumpeted. Just blown out. Everybody was hearing about this. People were becoming Christians because of them and becoming uh, encouraged by them. You know, Paul's praising God, giving thanks to God for you. It's only fitting. Because your faith is greatly enlarged. He's praising God because of this. You know what a great weapon is to the enemy? Praise. <laughs> That's right. Praise to God, whether it be singing praises, just reading His Word, and then just you know thinking about it as you, as you pray, you know, praying the Scriptures and thinking on that. God is, is really glorified by that. Praise really works, doesn't it? Would you guys say that? Praise works. Matter of fact, it ward off the devil real quick. The Bible says, "Rejoice always." Exactly right. That's it, isn't it? Rejoicing and praising—you can't separate those two, can you? It's all part of the same element. So, you want to beat the enemy? This is this is really where you start. It's praising God. Uh, chapter two of First Thessalonians—we read a little bit in chapter one. Chapter two, verse thirteen. For this reason, we also constantly thank God. That when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God. So he's constantly thanking God. For why? Because the Word of God had been taken into their lives. Uh, you accepted it. The very Word of God. And it, Oh, by the way, what does it say at the end of the 13? Which also performs its work in you who believe. The Word of God is what makes us change. Could anybody here give a testimony to that? <laughs> Does anybody believe that? Well, if it's not making an impact in your life, then you better question who you are, right? It does make an impact. There's no doubt. Chapter 3, verse 9, 1 Thessalonians. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? He's giving thanks to God for the Thessalonians in every one of these chapters. Have you noticed that? We're just giving thanks here. It makes you want to think about it. Render to God for you in return for all the joy. They were rejoicing in God. So Paul rejoiced because of that. Chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. 
verse 16. Here you go, Bob. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you. What is God's will? One of them is it is my is God's will that um, should I be so concerned? Oh, what's my next job going to be? That's what people are concerned with. You know, who's who am I supposed to marry? I want God's will. Well, of course, you, you want God's will in it, but really, you want to be specific. This is one of God's will that you give thanks. <laughs> is that simple? Yeah, give thanks. <coughs> Say thanks. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to be saying thanks. There are other ones suffering. <laughs> First Peter and such. But in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, beautiful. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Again, giving thanks. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved. Boy, you think He likes these guys? By the Lord, because why? Oh, I love this one. Because God has chosen you from the beginning. For what? For salvation. Through sanctification. By the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this He called you through our Gospel. That you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is this uplifting? <laughs> Paul just one after another saying thanks. If we don't get anything else out of tonight... That right there ought to really help us out. You know what? You can go to bed on this, right? Bank on this. Uh, matter of fact, all of this is a, it's a direct answer to Paul's prayer. You go to chapter three, verse twelve. In in in, in chapter uh, in the First Thessalonians, I think. Sorry about that. First Thessalonians three twelve. Um, he says in twelve. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. Um, that, that's what, and that's really where He wanted them. That they do what? Abound in love. You know, His prayer is He's thankful for them, but they bound in love is where all that is heading. That's a direct answer. They, they were doing it, weren't they? Um, okay, he's giving thanks, first of all, that their faith was growing. Back to 2 Thessalonians 1, um, verse 3, "...what always give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting..." It's only fitting to give thanks. "...because your faith is what? Greatly enlarged." Maximize. He doesn't say that you'd you know grow in your faith. He wants them to grow mightily here. Their faith was growing. A faith can't be tested without. Uh, you know, can you trust a faith without it being tested? Faith has to be tested. Uh, I think we have to expect that our faith is to be tried. It's going to be. And so this is the way that God proves. Our faith, just like uh, taking gold and burning it, and it's coming down and it shows what what is pure, what is true. It proves what is real. So faith is like a muscle, and a muscle has to be exercised. If you don't exercise that muscle, what happens? Flabby. <laughs> I need to do stomach crunches. Uh, 
Muscles all over I need to be working on, right? But if you exercise those muscles, they grow stronger. So God exercises us in certain ways that sometimes can be a little painful. (laughs) Strenuous. Hudson Taylor, a great missionary that he was, he learned to trust God. God gave him trying times at first and of course whenever he had uh, he had worked for his boss and his boss failed to pay him trusted God uh, for his daily needs uh, throughout that then as he went on into his ministry and of course he didn't see fruit right off the bat matter of fact it uh, would take years that he would see converts but he was tested and he waited he waited patiently he trusted God for the missionary um, elements that needed to come in, all the supplies that he needed, you know, just to live on a daily basis, um, he trusted God. You can think of George Mueller, you know, as he had the the orphanage, and from day to day, they, you know, they would not have any money, but somehow somebody would bring bread to him or bring milk, and it was just constantly like that. The milk truck would break yeah. down in front of his, his orphanage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how that got. Those stories are incredible. But, you know, they learn to trust. So, um, if we have an easy life, I can guarantee you we will have a shallow faith because we haven't been tested. Um, chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 As we night and day keep praying most earnestly, that we may see your face. We really want to see you, Thessalonians, and may complete what is lacking in your faith. So, any kind of ministry that they could have, it would. We all are lacking in our faith, aren't we? We need different things. We need the Word of God to speak to us, so that we, because we need to fill up where we are lacking, all the way around individually and. And so um, that's what he was really concerned with. Their faith was growing. It sure was. I thank God for all of you because of your um, that your faith would greatly enlarge. It already is that it would continue to go, right? What's the next one? And the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. It already was. Their love was abounding. Uh, if If you have suffering and you mix faith and grace... It's going to produce love. You know that? You have suffering and then, then when somebody comes along and, and they are able to offer the love of God to you uh, in those suffering times or of course then vice versa you might be able to hand it on to somebody else. When, Christ, when Christians suffer, their faith actually now trusts in God. It trusts upward. But when it deals with love, you not only love God, but guess where it goes? Outwardly. We have faith Upwardly. We have love outwardly, faith and love to fellow believers. Um, so that we have here in Second Thessalonians. If you look back in First Thessalonians one three, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of what love. Um, chapter three twelve again. We read this earlier. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. And look at this. He says, just as we also do for you. By the way, he gets in the second coming uh, of 
of uh, Christ in that very next verse, chapter and verse thirteen, chapter three. Anyway, so what do you see so far? Faith, love. He's praying that it'll even grow larger. Uh, oh, I think of Galatians, Galatians five six. Remember the fruit of the spirit and such. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. What what two key words do we have there? Faith, love. Faith working through love. Okay, so faith, love. I don't see hope. Okay, let's keep on going here. Uh, Back to 2 Thessalonians. Therefore, in verse 4, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God. For what? For your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. What's happening here? Well, it's it's patience. Um, Their patience was increasing. Paul is thanking God that they had patience, they had endurance. By the way, the word there is, you'd never guess, hupomone. To what? To remain under. Exactly. That's probably the, the best way to define that word. To remain under. To, 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 to stay under to, uh, the, the tribulation, the, the heavy load that's on you. Uh, that you stay with it though. Um, that's becoming patient. That's becoming in, uh, enduring, remaining under, persevering. Um, we don't become patient and persevering by reading a book, listening to a lecture, having a Bible study. Those help, but we really become patient and enduring as we what? As we go through what we have as life. But those other things tell you what's happening. <laughs> you just, yeah. That's right. Does all this stuff help? <laughs> of course it does, doesn't it? It reminds us. Is any of this new? No. We already read First Thessalonians. <laughs> it is. It's fresh as can be, isn't it? Fresh as a Dunkin' Donut. Oh, okay. Fresh as the morning... Morning dew? <laughs> The morning what? Sunrise. Central dairy milk? No, or sun- <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, sunrise coming up. And Romans 5.3 And not only this, but we also exult in our what? Tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Was that happening in Thessalonica? Absolutely. And perseverance then proves character. And proven character, hope, we're getting there. We're working towards that hope in Second Thessalonians. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Oh, those are sweet verses, aren't they? We need to hear this. We need it bad. I need, this is Gospel, folks. This is Gospel. Um, I'm glad to get back into the Word of God here, right? Um Perseverance phase. Oh, oh, the word there for persecution is diagmoi. 
it's it's um, attacks that come from without, from outside attacks. It's that's their persecution. In this case, Judaizers are uh, not not Judaizers, but actually the pagans that were in Thessalonica. Of course, the word Judaizers that would come along and cause problems too. Uh, there's another word, afflictions, and the word there is Second um, Corinthians used this word a lot, especially in the first chapter. It's thalipsis. Remember that word? Thalipsis. Exactly. Bingo. That's it. That is real pressure. Yeah. Pushing down on you. Um, pressed into a narrow place. Thessalonians were not having an easy time. You can read through Thessalonians and say, why? What a cool church. <laughs> but the trials were working for him. <laughs> trials work, and I got this underlined, folks. <laughs> Here, for us, the gospel is for us, and within the gospel is saving faith and grace and love and mercy. At the same time. We understand that even more whenever we have these afflictions. It's for us. I think of James 1, 1 through 5. Um, that's homework. Look up later. Um, look, and look what it did. Look at the impact it made on others. Verse 5. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those afflict you and to give relief to those of you who are afflicted and to us as well. I put in here the boasting among the churches because if you go back to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians and verse 4, it says, Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. You keep reading on down there, and they became imitators, and, and people everywhere started noticing that you get to the verse 7, they became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, there was boasting among the churches that Paul did by what they were going through, and they were able to do it, and, and God encourages us so we can encourage others. So they were a great witness to all the rest of the churches. Uh, somebody said, like, oh, it's, it's Warren Wiersbe. He said this, I like this. We are not to be cisterns that receive and keep. Um, Carolyn, your parents lived at a house that had a cistern. That cistern brings in all the runoff of the water from like uh, from the house, the rooftop, and everything. It goes into a cistern. It doesn't go anywhere after that. It's it's to trap it to keep it right. He says we are not cisterns that receive and keep, but we're to be channels that receive and direct. <coughs> I like that. We're to be channels, not the cisterns where where it goes out from us. And it's because of their, their faith, their faithfulness that, that they had. So he keeps talking about that faithfulness. Uh, anyway, that, um, that gets us up to number two. And we'll get into that next week. The encouragement of promise. So we have the encouragement of praise there. Did you see that? He's really thanking God for all this and that they would um, be encouraged in the midst of what they were having to go through. It was real. Anyway, thank you guys for coming out. Boy, it's a quick hour. <laughs> it seems late.
It's 7 o'clock. 